You're listening to Memories of 3DO, a retrospective look at a video game's console classic. To make sure you get the latest episode, hop on over to 3dopodcast.com slash listen and choose your preferred app to follow on. And now, this week's episode. In the early 1990s, console gaming was at its 16-bit peak. Both Sega's Genesis and the Super Nintendo owned the marketplace, while other systems like the Neo Geo offered alternatives for the hardcore gamer. But the industry was changing. While these consoles were hugely successful, they still ran on cartridges, and this limited what the consoles could do. CD-ROM was also making inroads, with systems like the CDI from Philips and Sony showing what could be done with the disc format. I'll never forget playing the Palm Springs Open Golf game and thinking, wow, this is the future. Even though I was holding like a weird TV remote that had a little stick on the middle of it, it made it really hard to play, it looked amazing. And this was what CD-ROM promised. Despite being co-developed with Sony though, the CDI never really took off, hampered by a slow processor and an expensive price tag. With the next generation of consoles from Sega and Nintendo still a way off, there was a gap for a new machine to go up against the Super Nintendo and Genesis, and lead the charge for the CD revolution. Enter the 3DO. Looking at the people behind the 3DO and the plans for it, gamers and game developers alike were genuinely excited. Designed by video game legends Dave Nido and RJ Mikal, who developed the Commodore Amiga and Atari Lynx, and with Electronic Arts founder and visionary Trip Hawkins leading the way, it was clear that the 3DO had some serious gaming brains behind the concept. Not only that, but the business model of the 3DO was different too. The hardware could be licensed by anyone, allowing for multiple versions to be built and sold. The system wasn't region locked, meaning Japanese games could be played on American and European systems. This was a huge bonus for hardcore gamers, who were used to Sega and Nintendo keeping their systems to their regions, Japanese games on Japanese systems, American games on American systems, and so on. And the royalties that game developers had to pay 3DO were far lower than those that Sega and Nintendo demanded. Because of that, some of the biggest developers in the world signed up to produce games for the system, with Electronic Arts in particular ready to show sports fans what their favourite games look like on the next generation 32-bit system. So, everything was set for the 3DO to enter the mix and make the 16-bit consoles look like kids' toys. But could this new upstart really challenge the established might of Sega and Nintendo? Things were about to get interesting. In the next episode, the challenge of bringing a new console to market reveals a stark truth and a pricing dilemma that could make or break the console's success.